0: Amen. Let me, um, let me begin by reading a verse of scripture to you if I could. Uh, this is in 2 Corinthians. The Apostle Paul writes this letter out of his own suffering, out of his own experience of suffering. He says this in, in the third chapter. Uh, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all All who are believers with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. That is to say, the image of the Lord. We behold the glory of the Lord and we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. This comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We have been talking about suffering and comfort, and we have been looking at that from God's perspective. We have established that suffering is inevitable in all of our lives. If you're not going through a period of suffering or difficulty or trial or tribulation at this time, well, just hold on. Your is coming, because it's inevitable. We've also said that Uh, Suffering is necessary for us in our spiritual journeys. We have said that God is sovereign over suffering, that God is in control, that God has a plan, that God always has a purpose in whatever it is that we're experiencing in our lives. If we, uh, we, We would have to agree, I think, that our Lord, our Savior, experienced great suffering. It was his suffering that saves us. It was his suffering that ministers to us. But also his suffering is an example to us. For we want to grow to a place in our relationship with God that we can experience and persevere through and even, even have joy in suffering like we see in Jesus. The key to experiencing difficulties in our life, pain in our life, suffering in our life, is to become more like Jesus. We open this this letter, this letter to the church at Corinth, the letter we call 2 Corinthians, by establishing that Paul is writing about suffering or difficult times. And yet, we also see that there is a focus or a theme in this letter on the doctrine of sanctification. The doctrine of sanctification. doctrine is a truth. But it's, it's more than a truth that we believe. A doctrine is a truth that we have a conviction about, that we're unmovable about. And this is the this is about the truth of sanctification. In your bulletins, on the back of your bulletin, you have a little bit of an outline of what we want to try and accomplish today. And one of the things that I, or, or the way that I put this on the bulletin, was to give you a definition of sanctification. And I broke out the definition into four parts because those are the four parts that we want to kind of learn from through God's Word today. But it says there that sanctification is the process by which God transforms, changes our lives into the image of Christ. That there is a goal. That there is something that we want to, 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 to... Uh, move toward, to work toward, to accomplish. There's a goal, there's a target involved. And that is the doctrine of sanctification. We don't talk much about sanctification. We need to talk more about sanctification. We talk about justification. Justification is, is the crux of the gospel. It's the crux of the good news. Justification is, is understanding that, that, that God out of his love for you, that God loves you. God loves you. And out of that love for you, he, he pursues you. He initiates relationship with you. If you have a relationship with God this morning, it's because God initiated that relationship, that it was God who came down to man. Religion is man reaching up to God and man trying to do things to appease God and to please God and to be in right standing with God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that if we're going to be in right standing with God, we have to recognize that it is God who makes the first move. He initiates that. He reaches down to us. God came to us. In the person of God, the Son, God came to us in Jesus. And God loved us so much that God paid the penalty for our sin against Him. It was our sin against Him, and yet He expresses and demonstrates His love for us by coming to us and actually paying the penalty for what we have done so that we can have relationship with him. That's that's justification. And look, for for every non-Christian who sits in this room this morning, I fervently pray that that would be be truth that goes from your head into your heart. And And that if you would just believe, if you would trust, if you would have faith, If you would turn, if you'd say, I want to turn this way from this, and I want to turn to Jesus, then he's there. Dale, you're telling me that all I have to do is have faith in God, and and I can be justified, I can be in right relationship with God, I can be forgiven, I can call heaven my home. Are you telling me that all I have to do is believe, and the answer to that is a resounding yes? Yes. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, is the truth from God's word. And so that's justification. Justification occurs at a point in time. It's it's an event that happens. I trust in him, he changes me. I trust in him, he forgives me. I trust in him, he makes heaven my home. I trust in him, and I have a relationship with him. I trust in him, listen, and I'm in right standing before him because of what Jesus has done on the cross. So justification, it's important that we understand in distinguishing justification and sanctification that justification is something that happens at a point in time. And justification refers to my standing with God. It's how God views me. It's my relationship with Him. And there's no, there's no degrees to justification. There's no, there's no growth in justification. I'm, I'm as justified today as I was the time, the moment in time that I trusted in Jesus and, 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 and what he did for me on that cross. I'm justified as much today as I was then. There's, there's no growth in justification. If you're justified, you're justified. If you're not justified, you're not justified. There's no growth in that. And so we, we, we look at this definition of sanctification, and it starts with this, that sanctification is the process. And process is a key word. Sanctification has to do with process. Process distinguishes justification, which there's no degrees of, with sanctification. In sanctification, it's a process over time. I've said to you before that, that when you become a Christian, and I, I've counseled many people who, who are new believers in Christ, and, and, and I tell them, this, and this is, these are simple words, but it's so very important that we understand this. And I say to them after they've, be, they've become a Christian, they're a brand new Christian, and I say to them, this is the beginning, not the end. This is the beginning of a, of a process. It's the beginning of a journey. When we talk about sanctification, and when the Bible speaks of sanctification, it, 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 it talks about how we live before God. It talks about our, our lifestyles. It talks about our heart. It talks about our desires. And, and when we talked about sanctification, we understand that that, that, that there's a progression in degrees, that, 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 that I'm that I've grown more today than I than where I was the day that I became justified and I began this journey it's just like it's just like a new birth a physical birth that's the beginning not the end the bible refers to to us as as being born again Jesus is talking in the third chapter of John, the Gospel of John, and he says there's a physical birth and there's a spiritual birth. And the Bible talks about us being ch- children of God. And the Bible talks about uh, that, that, that new start, that fresh start And then once we become a Christian, we begin this, this journey of being changed. And so listen, here's what I'm trying to get at today. There's justification and there's sanctification. There's entering into a relationship with God, and then there's this process that takes place. And the goal of the process, the target of the process, is that we become more like Jesus. And it's not something that that we compartmentalize. What changes after we're justified? Everything changes after we're justified. All of a sudden, there's a a new heart and, and new desires and a new goal in life and a new target to shoot for and that target is, I want to become more like Jesus. I want to become more like Jesus. I want to become more like Jesus. And that's not something that, that, that I, I, I have my work, and I have my family, and I have my hobbies, and I have becoming like Jesus. Because becoming like Jesus touches every single area of our lives. And so it begs the question, and the challenge for us today is, on your, on your radar, the radar of your life, Where is this goal? Where is this target? How important is it to you as a justified person, as a believer, as a Christian, how important is it to you that you are becoming more and more and more like Christ? It's really, I think, an easy thing to evaluate in our lives. Are you more like Jesus today than you were last Sunday? Are you more like Jesus in 2016 than you were in 2017? Are you more like Jesus today than you were yesterday? Uh, Another way to ask that question might be is how important is it to you that next Sunday you're more like Jesus than you are today? Is that a priority? Is it something that you think about? And yet, we know from Scripture that this is God's will for you. It's God's design for you. It's God's desire for you. Do you want to be more like Jesus? And so we want to talk about sanctification. And I I, I pray that this will be very practical for you. We, We want to talk about this process by which God transforms our lives into the image of Christ, where God transforms our life into the image of Christ. So we begin by saying, okay, I understand this is a process. This is something, something that happens moment by moment, day by day, throughout my spiritual journey. And then we recognize that we are sanctified by God, that it's a It's a work of God, and it's not just God the Father who loves us and draws us to himself, but it's the entire trinity. It's God the Father who's involved in our sanctification. It's God the Son who's involved in our sanctification, and it's God the Holy Spirit who's involved in our sanctification, In 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, and I don't think this will be on the screen. I didn't give it to Vic. But in the 21st verse of 2 Corinthians 1, it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us, giving us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Listen. Listen. Those two verses, 21-22, 2 Corinthians 1, is packed full of incredible truth. It's saying that it's God who establishes us. He he justifies us. He, He gives us right standing with him. And he does that in his son, Jesus Christ. And, and, and it says He has anointed us. Anointed is, a, is another word for set apart. He's set apart. And that's another word for sanctification. He's he set us apart. We're His and he's, he's anointed us. And He's given us His Spirit within us. So, so we are sanctified by God. We are sanctified in Christ. Christ. We are sanctified, this journey, this process, this growing, this becoming more like Jesus, we are sanctified through the Holy Spirit. But it's important that we understand that we are sanctified by God, that it's a work of God. Our justification is a work of God, our sanctification is a work of God. Our justification is by faith, and our sanctification is by faith. That means that this goal of becoming more like Jesus is not a to-do list that you should have. It's not a work that you do. It's a work that God does in you. And sometimes we confuse that, and when we confuse that, it can be extremely frustrating, even to the point of walking away from it. And we'll see that in, in, in some of the Scripture that we look at. We are sanctified by God the Father, and we need to understand that. We are sanctified in God the Son. Now, I want to take a moment and read to you this passage of Scripture, and I'll I'll tell you, at first glance, and on the surface, it seems extremely difficult to understand exactly what Paul is talking about here. It's 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, beginning in the seventh verse. 2 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 7. Now, listen carefully, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, this this ministry was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed in it glory. Indeed, in this case, what, was one, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. Hang with me. For if what was being brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ is it taken away." Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image of God, from one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. He is drawing a contrast here between the old and the new. And he refers to a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament, Exodus, uh, the 34th chapter, beginning in the 39th verse, when it talks about Moses going up onto Mount Sinai and appearing before God. And it was in that meeting in the 34th chapter where he receives the law and he, when he returns down to the people, his face is glowing with the glory of God. I don't know how to explain that to you, except to explain that the people noticed a difference on Moses. They noticed the difference on his face. He had been with God, and he... And, there was a manifestation of his being with God that was seen by the Israelite people because we become like what we behold. He had had been with God, meeting with God, and when he returned to the people, the people had noticed that he had been with God because we become like What we behold. Moses was exposed, if you will, to the glory of God. And his face reflected what he was exposed to. Now that makes sense to me. I I can see it in in our children. I can see it in my son that that he's exposed to me, that, that we live under the same roof, that we spend a lot of time together. And I can see for better or for worse, some of me in him because of, of the time that we spend together. I remember when when Will was was just a little baby and 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 one year old or two years old and and he he caught me somehow or another raising my hands when somebody said, Praise the Lord and I raised my hands. And I evidently had done that two or three times and and Will got to a place where even as a one- or two-year-old and I was holding him in my arms, and somebody would say, praise the Lord, and his hands would go up. <laughs> Just like that. But it's it, but, and you see it in your children. Even the way they talk and, and voice inflection. It's a reality. Now, apply that reality in our spiritual lives. The more we look to Jesus... The more we look like Jesus. The more we look to Jesus, the more we look like Jesus. The more time we spend with Jesus, the more we begin to take on the characteristics of Jesus. What does it mean? What does it mean to look like Jesus? What does it mean to be like Jesus? Well, you know, the only way I know to answer that is to take a look at Jesus, the the account of Jesus' life that we have in Scripture, especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we watch Jesus, and we see what makes Jesus different, and we see how He interacts with people, and we see how He loves, and we see His relationship with His Father and the priority that was in His life, and we see how He sacrifices, and we see how He handles even uh, issues of race, for example, and and we see how Jesus serves, and we see how Jesus prays, and we see how Jesus teaches, and we, we see how Jesus forgives, and we see the mercy of Jesus, and and we study the Gospels, and we learn about Jesus, and we could even study the Gospels with the perspective of, God, teach me about what Jesus is like. I want to know what Jesus is like. And we study those Gospels, and that becomes a desire in our heart. That's what we want to be. And so when we know that it's God's will, that it's God's plan, that after justification there comes this journey, this process of becoming more like Jesus, we have a little bit clearer target to shoot at. This is what Jesus is like. And that's what, that's what I want to be like. I want to love like he loves. I want to teach like I want to serve like he serves. I want to forgive like he forgives. I want to have mercy like he wants. I want to have a relationship with my Heavenly Father like he had a relationship with his Heavenly Father. I want, to, I want to be more like Jesus. We look upon Jesus. Now listen, I ask you the question, hey, is it a goal of yours? Is it important to you? Is it a priority to you that next week you're more like Jesus than you were this week? And then we, we learn that that when we when we spend time with Jesus, when we, when we are exposed to Jesus, that we become more like Jesus. That that what we turn our, our attention and our affection to, that's what we become like. And it might be football. Right? It might, be, it might be money or material things. Or a, s- a special relationship. And that's our, that's our focus. That's where our affection lies. And, and that's where our attention is. And, 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 and we we grow in that. But, but, but think about maybe starting a day, just talking to Jesus. Maybe start a day. In God's Word, and, and maybe it's in the Gospels, and maybe it's reading about Him, and, and, and seeing how He lives, and, and kind of being absorbed in that, and turning my affection to that, and turning my attention to that. And I want to suggest to you that that time with Him in the morning kind of sets the tone for the day, that, that, that He's kind of my filter. And, and regardless of what I'm experiencing in my life, whether it's a it's a difficulty at work, or if it's a difficulty in a relationship, or it's traffic on the road, or, or, or it's worrying about finances, whatever it is, I kind of, I've established that I'm going to have my affection on him and my attention on him. And so I run all of these things through him. And the key to all of that is at the end of the day, you know what? I've become more like him. And so if I have this priority, and I've set this goal, this, this sanctification goal, I want to be like him, I want to be like him, I want to be like him, then I have to turn my affection and my attention to him. That's God the Father who sanctifies, and that's, that's what it means to be sanctified in Christ. We're sanctified by God the Father. We're sanctified in Christ. Christ, or God the Son, and then we go and we see how God the Spirit is involved in our sanctification, and time prohibits me from reading verses in chapter 3 that talks about the Spirit of God, verse 3, verses 5, verse 6, verse 7. It, it, it ends in, in, in verse 17, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is, there is freedom. Freedom. What does that mean, Pastor Dale, that I have the freedom to do whatever I want? Yes. That's what it means. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. And and for the one who has been justified, for the one who has been transformed, part of that experience is that my want to changes. My want to changes. and, And not only does it change, but but it's been written on my heart. In the the prophetic books of of Jeremiah and Ezekiel, God says, look, I'm going to give you a new covenant. I'm not going to write my laws on stone any longer. I'm going to write my laws on your heart. I'm going to give you a new spirit. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to change your want-tos. I'm going to change your desires. The Spirit of God. We are sanctified through the Spirit of God. This passage of Scripture, this verse 7 through 18 that we read, is, it, it, it's really contrasting the old and the new. And he's saying, look, the old is, I write my laws on stone, and you do the best you can to keep them. And, and he doesn't say this, but it's kind of implied. Good luck with that. Because the standard is perfection. It's not graded on a curve. And so we, we, we look at this being sanctified through God the Spirit, and, and we see the old versus the new. And when we think about the old, we can, we can characterize it or label it as spiritless Christianity, Right? Because he's he's talking about, it's not that the spirit wasn't here and active in the Old Testament. It's just that in the New Testament, it's a whole new and better way that he involves himself in our lives. And so he compares the old and the new. And this spiritless Christianity is a Christianity that relies on external regulations. It relies on laws that are written on stone. And it revolves around our performance for God. God. And it results in condemnation and death. And that's what he's talking about here in this passage of Scripture that, he, that we just read. Look, it says, it came with such glory. It says, if the ministry of death, carved in letters on stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, That old way is being brought to an end. Will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? He's comparing the old with the new. Now look, I've been doing this for a while and it's easy. I've experienced it in my own life. It's easy to see the the, the, the contrast, the comparison between the Christian who is living under the old way and the Christian who is living under the new way. I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to put within you a new spirit. I'm going to write my laws on your heart. And then then he says this. He says, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to enable you to keep my laws and all of my commands. I'm going to do that. God does that. That's not our work. That's God's work. So the spiritless Christianity is a Christianity that we try and try and try and try. We never reach the mark. And I've seen too many, so many, who have tried and tried and tried and become so frustrated with it, they just walk away from it. Because their performance can't meet the standard. But he says that's, that's, the, um, that's the ministry of condemnation. That's the ministry of death. And that ministry had glory. When Moses went up to get the stones, he came down And his face glowed with the glory of God. That ministry had glory. But now, that ministry has come to an end. And now, it's the ministry of the Spirit. And the difference is so clear. We rely not on external regulations, but on internal transformation. We rely on how... God's spirit who indwells us changes us. And this is so important. It it doesn't revolve around our performance. Now it revolves around God's performance in us. That God does the work in us. That God reveals himself to us. That God empowers us. That God makes makes it clear to us through his spirit that indwells us those things that pleases him. And so we have this, this desire and this passion. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like What is that like? His spirit reveals that to us and then empowers us to move in that direction. No wonder he says, oh, it's, th- this, is even, this has even greater glory. It has greater glory. And this ministry, this ministry of the spirit results in salvation and life. Now, look, we've gotten sanctification is the process by which God, and that's as far as we've gotten, and I'm out of time. Here's what I I don't want you to think. God sanctifies us by God in Christ through the Holy Spirit. And I want to guard against you thinking that, well, this is easy. This is um, uh, easy breezy. <laughs> this is this is riding downhill with the wind in your hair. Because because the next part of this is the battle that takes place for your transformation, and we're going to talk about that next week. You don't want to miss next week. I'm not going to preach on Thanksgiving other than to thank God for His Spirit. That indwells us thank god for this new and better way thank god for making a new covenant whereby he writes his desires his laws his blueprints his guidelines on our hearts and reveals those to us i think we would accomplish much this morning if you would be honest with yourself and answer the question on my radar where is becoming more like Jesus? Is it even on your radar? Is it something you yes. give thought to? If you want to be more like Jesus next Sunday than you are this Sunday, what are you going to do? What do you do? He's doing his part, and we'll talk next week about what what to do. But I've given you a great practical application for this. Where is your affection? Where is your attention? What filter are you running things through? We become like what we behold. That's the story of Moses. We become like what we behold. We become more like what we give our attention and our effectiveness and and our affection to. If it's football, it's football. If it's Jesus, it's Jesus. You don't have to give up football to turn your attention and your affection to Jesus. It's just that when you turn your attention and affection to Jesus, you are going to become more like him. Let me invite you to stand. You wanna make a fresh commitment to that? You can do that where you stand. You can come down here. wanna share that with me? you to do that you want to come down here and pray you're welcome to do that you have a freedom to do that nobody will bother you unless you ask for somebody to pray with you this is a challenging message and you can just leave it here if you want or you can say God that's the kind I, I, I want to I want this to be on my radar I want this to be a priority I want this to be important I want to be more like Jesus it's up to you lord jesus have your will and way in every heart and life make clear to us give us clarity what you want to accomplish give us boldness to follow you no matter the cost for your glory lord that's our prayer nick if you'd lead us